everybody. Welcome to the Evidence for Christianity podcast, where you will be joining me, Corey Wadstrom, and Dr. John Oakes as we explore topics on apologetics, Bible history, theology, and more. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. On today's episode, we talk about how life came to be and really focus on the question of, did life just happen? Right, there's another one. Before I do that, though, let me, let me uh, just... Oh, wait. No, I'll do the life thing, sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, obviously... Life exists, number one. Number two, obviously it hasn't always existed since the universe hasn't always existed. So life was created. Now, you could uh, say either it was created by a, just a natural process or by a supernatural process. All right? Uh, kind of not that completely different from the Big Bang model in the sense that you know, it just happened or there's an intelligence behind that thing. Uh, but the fact is, uh, living things have uh, just an incredible amount of information. Uh, uh, and living things have this information stored in the DNA. So the DNA is this uh, polymer of nucleotides and a set of three nucleotides, such as adenine, guanine, thymine, whatever, a set of three nucleotides is coded information that chooses an amino acid uh, when living things are synthesizing proteins. So proteins are made out of amino acid, amino acid, amino acid, amino acid, amino acid. There's 20 of them. And this coded information in the DNA tells the cells what proteins to make so that something can be alive. Now, the amount of information contained in human DNA is around 3 billion of these a nucleotide-based pairs, which would be the amount of information in, say, I don't know, a few, several hundred novels. Now, uh, however, let's talk about the creation of life, the original kind of life. Clearly, humans came later. I mean, uh, that's clear. So let's talk about uh, uh, just a, the simplest life, like, say, an E. coli, a very, very simple bacteria. They have more like 100 of these, 100 million of these letters instead of 3 billion. Well, so what are the chances of this, these letters, which are literally a language that can be interpreted to create in, you know, the, the information to create a living thing, what are the chances that this would happen by accident? Well, then, let's, let's back off 100 million. Let's say 25 million. Let's say 25 million of these nucleotide, A, G, C, all these things, were to come together with information sufficient to create a living thing. The, the illustration I use to explain how unlikely that is, it'd be like taking a, a, a pile of 23, 25 million letters, throwing them in the air, and when they fall to the ground, you could read them. So they're, just, they're all on the ground there, and just start left to right, and you could read them, and it would make sense. Of course, that assumes that a language exists, right? Yeah. Well, how could you have a language if you don't have life? And let's talk about that genetic code. Because clearly the genetic code exists. So where did the code come from? 
Could molecules just randomly bumping into each other create a code? Just, you know, that makes no sense. So to me, um, that life was created uh, by some supernatural as opposed to natural process. Seems like a slam dunk. Now, again, what I just said, bear in mind, what I just said is not a scientific statement. It's, it's a... It's trying to uh, impose a statement from outside of science. But the, there are two alternatives. It just happened by molecules bumping into each other accidentally or some imposed order-creating supernatural event. Because clearly uh, intelligence would be involved in creating life. Uh, by the way, there's another thing. Uh, you probably remember this from the book, which is just so happens the only thing in the universe that creates DNA is proteins. And the only thing in the universe that makes proteins is DNA. And so um, it, it begs the question, all right, which came first? So was it the DNA that was just 100 million pieces of information just sort of self-assembled, there you go? Or was it the proteins that would have made the DNA? And here's what the atheist, or scientist for that matter, who's trying to propose just lucky accidental creation of life has to believe. They have to believe that simultaneously the DNA that would have made the protein came into existence and the protein that would have made the same DNA also came into existence. They sort of self-assembled separately and co coincidentally with matching information and then this life thing just sort of started being alive. Okay. So it's it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. Now, Again, another of these ad hoc hypotheses, sort of similar to the multiverse theory, is this RNA world theory. And uh, it just so happens a guy that I know, uh, Thomas Check, got the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for discovering that certain kinds of RNA actually act as enzymes. And all other enzymes are proteins. So not Thomas Check, but others since him have proposed that maybe the first life was made out of RNA. So some of the RNA had the information, and some of the RNA did the sort of chemical reactions or the enzymes. But this doesn't work because the bottom line is RNA does not faithfully carry information from one, you know, say one to the next generation. DNA is awesome at faithfully recreating its information. DNA, RNA can do it, but in a very, very limited level n and not efficiently at all. Also, RNA, it is true, there's a thing called a, a ribozyme. This is a, a few molecules that are actually RNA that can catalyze certain reactions, but the catalytic ability of, of, of RNA is very, very limited. And to, to propose that a living thing, all of its functions could be caused by RNA as an enzyme, uh, this is not a tenable theory. So I would argue this, this RNA world model, number one, has literally absolutely no evidence supporting it, and really it's self-refuting. So that's another one of these ad hoc hypotheses created not because of evidence, but because atheists don't really like the implications of the facts. Thank you.
So, did life just happen? When looking at DNA, the answer seems to be no. There needed to be a starting point. Proteins make DNA, and you need DNA to make proteins, so what came first? On top of this, the whole idea of a code even existing for life is something to ponder in itself. It seems as if there is more to all of this than just chance. Alright, so, and again, just like with the universe, right, there's two choices, created or not created, right? Uh, now, clearly, life was created in the sense that it hasn't always existed. That's because the universe, the Earth certainly hasn't always existed. So then, so now that we know that life exists, uh, there's two possibilities. Either you have it being created by some intelligent creator, I would say God, or the, the just um, random natural processes of molecules just sort of interacting, boom, out comes a living thing. That idea is called spontaneous generation. Uh, the idea of organic life coming from inorganic matter. And now, spontaneous generation could not happen in the current Earth situation because... The, the chemical environment required for life to become about spontaneously, which, by the way, I don't think it was, but going with their spontaneous generation theory, um, that if, if, if our atmosphere was like that now, then the bacteria that are exists would eat all that stuff. So um, life cannot be created spontaneously now because even if it was, it would instantaneously get eaten by something, and plus the molecules required to even create it would also be eaten. But nevertheless, the, these believers in spontaneous generation believe that, you know, whatever, two and a half, three billion years ago, it, you know, bump, 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 molecule, you know, uh, molecules keep getting bigger and more, more complex over time, and, and then life happens. So basically, if you read these believers in spontaneous generation of life, they, they believe in this thing called chemical evolution. And that is just an absolute oxymoron. The idea of molecules gradually getting more and more complex over time and acquiring more and more information over time violates everything we know about thermodynamics. It, the people who believe in this, I, I have to ask myself, seriously, why, why do they actually believe in this? Here's why. Because the alternative is something that they don't really like to contemplate, which is that life was created. So like I mentioned in that book, maybe you remember it, is uh, there, there is no example of information being created through spontaneous processes. So these chemical evolution people propose that that happened a lot through a natural process, which they don't know what that process would be. In fact, you know, they've tried to create models, and these models never work. They have to put information in. To get information out, they have to put information in. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's the thing is uh, these atheists trot out Uri and Miller as if this is a significant discovery. Thank you. So back in the 50s, these are two scientists working right down the street here at UCSC. No, wait. Sorry. 
Uh, Miller is at UCSD. I don't know where he was. It was, it was somewhere else because UCSD wasn't even founded until like 1960-something. Anyway, so what they did was they were trying to, to test whether uh, conditions in an early atmosphere could be right to create amino acids. Now, amino acids are these you know, 20, 30, 40 atom molecules that form the backbone of protein. Now, what they did was they took a mixture of methane, uh, carbon dioxide, water, ammonia, and maybe some hydrogen, I can't remember. And they uh, had this pot of boiling water with these gases, and they put a spark in there. And eventually, they got a very, very low concentration of some amino acids in the solution. And so they trot that out as pr evidence that life could have been created by spontaneous generation. Two problems with that. Number one, any organic chemist, and I am an organic chemist, any organic chemist would tell you if you mix those chemicals and light a spark, you get this stuff we call it goo or, or tar. And you'd have a certain small concentration of molecules with 20 or 30 atoms, including probably amino acids. But uh, what's that have to do with proposing that proteins could cr be created? Because it turns out the same heat that could make a few um, amino acid molecules would completely destroy any um, you know, protein molecule or, or nucleic acid molecule you know, as soon as they were created. It'd be kind of like this. Let's say you wanted to make a house of cards. Let's imagine you throw some energy at a big pile of, say, 10,000 cards. Now, in principle, that energy could create a house of cards. But the instant that house of cards was created, it would also be destroyed by the same energy that created it. And that's an analogy of what I'm talking about here. So any model that could even conceivably create these building block molecules would destroy any sort of proto-almost-living entity. There is no model. There's literally no model for spontaneous generation. Scientists have tried to create some, but they always involve uh, putting information in. And even when they do that, they're only creating one of the molecules. Uh, and so, it, by the way, none of these in experiment, just on a computer. <laughs> no experiment shows uh, making large chains of amino acids that have, you know, non-random chunks. All right, but they've tried to have computers generate uh, information uh, through, you know, certain models. And but the fact is, they have to put information in to get information out. Uh, and so, you know, so a lot of atheists so confidently declare, well, obviously life was created by a spontaneous process. And I say, obviously according to what? So give me your theory here. And I'm telling you, there literally is no theory. Why would somebody who has a fairly broad knowledge of science, uh, how could they possibly not believe in God? So because there's this idea I in the circles that I run in, which is hanging out with scientists, there's this general assumption that seems to be out there, which is, 
obviously no scientists would believe in God. And I'm like, excuse me? You know, how could a scientist not believe in God? So if, if that's the subject, which is why science seems to lead to only one reasonable conclusion, which is God exists, uh, I think I've, we've discussed that sufficiently. We could uh, finish out by uh, reading Romans 1, uh, verse, I think it's 20. It says something like this, uh, that God's existence, his eternal power, his divine nature have been obvious from what is created so that men are without excuse. And I would say the scientist has the least possible basis for an excuse to not believe in God, given the additional knowledge they have other than what everybody else knows on like how awesome and how thoroughly designed life clearly is. So there it is, part three of our three-part series titled How Science Shows There's a God. Thank you to everybody who listened to these episodes, and we want to make an announcement that there are going to be a few changes happening to the podcast in the near future that we're really excited about and can't wait to share with you guys. In the meantime, we're going to be releasing a few episodes that are just conversations John's had with a few friends on topics on the Bible, so stay tuned for that. Thanks guys, and we'll see you next time.